Paul, great to see you again. It's 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 been a long time. Uh, remind me now. What when when was the last time we met? Well, I know we met first when we would filmed Coast together, an episode on a on a Cornish wreck, and I think we bumped into each other since then. But yeah, that was the yeah first time. indeed, that's right, that's right. That was with uh, Miranda Kristofnikov. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was. Good. Was that the day the dolphin turned up? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think okay, we okay. That. Unfortunately not. Sadly not. The, the past is becoming a blur, but uh, there we go. Good. Where are you based? I'm based near Plymouth. Plymouth. You've been diving? Sorry? Have you been diving during all this COVID or after now? Yes, yeah, yeah, as much as possible. Um, and um, snorkeling a lot as well. Ah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of my favourite spots very locally I can visit snorkeling and we might come on to it later but yeah i've got that yeah i love going back to the same spot again and again and, and learning about the individual animals and and snorkeling is great for that fantastic yeah and with, and with the covid of course you've got no worry then of dive buddies or people on boats or anything like that so that's perfect that's right. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um your book, uh, I, I've been through it, and I must say, I, I just absolutely love it. It's, um, I know I did a review of, um, uh, by the way, it's called uh, Great British Marine Animals. Fourth edition, I, yeah. did, I did review the third edition, and I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, I, and this is even better. It's, it's quite extraordinary. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Um, well, it's as it, it sort of um, it's a celebration of British marine life, and it's it's structured as an, an like an ID guide in that it's divided into the animal groups, and it's got um, the common species in that you'll find rock pooling and snorkeling and diving. But the aim of it is to go a lot further than that, just ID, and have as much in as possible about behaviour and. That's my passion, really, portraying that. And so it's structured so that animals that do a lot can have a lot more coverage. So amazing animals like the cuttlefish is a sort of record breaker. That's got 10 pages to itself. Tom Pot Blenny's got nine pages. Um, hermit crabs, you know, crabs have a lot. Our sponges, I'm afraid, don't do so much, at least not in obvious terms, photographing them. So a lot of them only get half a page. So that's the sort of key. And, and it tells stories about, about the animals, what they do, how they live, what they get up to, and hopefully in a very accessible way, and photographically as well. And did you do all the photos yourself? Yes, I did, yes, over, over many years, yeah. Uh, they, they are stunning quality, absolutely lovely. Um, how, long did all this, how long did it take you to actually get to write and compile all this? Well, it sort of evolved because I, I did the third edition 10 years ago um, and it all started back in 96 with Marina of the South West. Um, and the first edition, Great British Marine Animals, was 2003, I think. So it's evolved since then. But the last 10 years, particularly, I've been concentrating on photographing behaviour and, and getting that all together. And it was always scheduled to be... Um, to be released now but actually it just the timing in a way worked quite well in that I was doing a lot of the writing during lockdown so um actually worked well 
Yeah, it was a perfect time for writing, wasn't it? it it's uh, unfortunately, <laughs> in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It was a little forced, but but it, it kind of worked out well for a lot of people. All the information, fabulous information that's uh, with it. How did you get all that information and make sure that it was actually accurate? Um, whole variety of sources. Some. Um, some is sort of from the standard textbooks, some from scientific papers, some from personal observations, some from a lot from observations, sort of my own and backed up looking at the scientific literature. Um, it's a whole mixture of whole mixture of sources. And, and there's sort of there's findings, there's photographs of things that are very well known about, like crustaceans molting, for example, but they aren't. Um, it's not often photographed then there are things that are i've researched very carefully um and are fairly new to science like some of the blenny behavior and then other things are just um like they're speculative they're things i suggest might be happening and i make it quite clear that they are speculative and and hopefully it might spur other divers to uh look and see oh do they do do the animals do that so the main thing is just being you know, totally upfront. If things are speculative, say they are, and if they're, you know, subject of painstaking observation, then make clear they are too. It's. Uh, I find it quite funny and sad at the same time that um, so many people, if if they know I'm a dive or anything else, are, are emphatic about how boring and how dull English marine life under oh, amazing. is. Amazing. And I can, you, you can't convince them that, that it's so good. But I must say, if I had your book around with me all the time, I, I think it would change a lot of minds. Yeah, that's, I suppose, that. thank you for saying that, because that's the whole idea of it. I suppose if there's one thing I want to get over, is, is that and the book to get over. And in fact, earlier editions, um, I really pleased with the fact that the you know that the wildlife trusts and people that used it when the marine bill was going through and some of these politicians were saying oh what you know what's british you know what british marine life is there and they said you know have a look at that and this is a cop and they were just staggered to see the the uh you know the color and the and the behavior and so on and i mean i've got some lovely there, there was i did a um a, a a sort of participated in a local bioblitz event a couple of years ago and I had video showing um, and talked to this. And one of, there was a clip of a corkwing wrasse building his nest, you know, with the beautiful colours. And someone came up and watched this and said, this is very nice, but don't you think you should be showing local marine life rather than tropical fish footage? And when I said this was taken and, you know, could sort of look out the window and say it was taken at that beach down there, they were just blown away. And... The other thing I'm always saying it happens um, when I was doing a lot of talks and I'd, I'd quite often put them together on the train, on the laptop. Good time to do it when I was on long train journeys with work and inevitably someone next to you starts sort of bored and they start leaning across and looking at your laptop and they go, oh, colourful pictures, you know, where, where were they taken then? And I'd always say, where do you think they were taken? And they'd always say, Barbados, you know, West Indies, uh, Red Sea. And I went, no, no, that's Torquay or that's Plymouth or that's uh, Loch 
final they'd just be totally staggered and time and time again and uh you know people get bored of me saying it but it yeah it constantly as you say well well the, the proof is right there in your book um it, tell me do, does i mean the obvious place for this other than for divers i mean divers actually miss an awful lot in in the way they dive i find um yeah. <clears throat> excuse me schools i mean do, does your book get put into schools at all because it, it, it should it does it's funny you say that yeah both um we're trying to get in schools and, and schools do love it um and, and and kids love it and and something also we're trying to do is um at the end of each you know when we replace the additions um like now they're always inevitably though the time so that the the the, all the books have sold um inevitably a few come back as places stock up with a new edition and so we end up with unsold and and we give those free to schools um which is nice so as well as you know offering the new ones at a good price to schools because as you say it's very accessible um and even primary school kids we find um like the um the uh you know like looking at the pictures and some of the text and secondary school kids particularly and uh being old books they can even cut them up for arts and crafts and things so uh, yeah no we really want to get that over to to local schools yeah is it available online uh, a, a digital version or, or just hardcovers no no not at the moment i might do that at some point but yeah at the moment no it's um it's uh, yeah paper yeah, well, <clears throat> well, to be honest, it's so nice to be able to pick it up and turn pages. I just love it. It's, it's, I always find that nicer than digital books. Um, and it's great. It's great just to see the picture there on, on the desktop. I think it's absolutely perfect. Um, you did mention the Marine Bill. Yeah. Uh, which, as far as I understand, is just a bit of a debacle, really. It's just a paper Marine Bill um what's your experience with reality since it was first brought out or invented to today well it's led to i mean it's led to a lot of these um marine protected areas and we have got a lot of marine protected areas and as you know the conservation organizations rightly so rightly say a lot of them could be described as paper parks because they're you know, there's, there's very little that's actually protected in terms, but hopefully we are getting to these highly protected marine areas now, which are coming out, which are being proposed. But I think it has sort of there, and, 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 and the Wildlife Trust and the Marine Conservation Society and people are really pushing for them, but, but it just shows because what they're proposing for these highly protected marine areas are probably what, average layperson would expect should be happening in all the marine protected areas so they sort of reality is, is is certainly lagging behind expectation and massively lagging behind what's needed but hopefully we'll get there and i think we just have to keep at it and be optimistic and go for it keep the pressure up because it's so badly needed Yes, it's a, it's an awful lot to to lose, and you and I agree with you uh, entirely. The um, uh, having to keep that pressure up is absolutely crucial. It, it's and the great shame is that 
most people can't mentally support the marine bill because they've never seen the wildlife they don't know what's there they don't know the implications of yeah. of affecting it and uh your book is a great step to to changing that i think thank you that's what i hope yes certainly just get people aware and if they're not aware they're just you know if they think it is just gray and featureless um as so many people think they, yeah they won't care so yeah it's getting them to care and and i do find as well that that as well as just the color it's the the um the say the the behavioral stories that engage people like if they think that um you know down in a seagrass bed there's quite a complicated relationship going on between a sea anemone and the hermit crab it lives on and the chemicals they might give off that encourage the relationship and that sort of thing or or and the fact it astonishes people because when i go snorkeling um i go to visit these blennies these tompot blennies and some of them live in the same you can recognize the individuals and they live in the same um territory the same spot for you know over five years seven years the record holder and people tend to think of fish as transitory and when you say you're going down to visit the same one um and he's been there and reared eggs and so on that really brings it home and the fact that ras you know um I don't know if you saw but 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 you can recognize ras from the markings there's one that i've met i think it's eight years apart you know on the, on the same reef um sharks that i took um close-up pictures of to to identify that you know to identify the species and then realized when I was looking at these pictures, I thought, blow me, hang on, those, you know, the denticles on their skin, it's the same pattern on the photographs. It was actually the same individual shark. And there's a wonderful study um, being done locally by a guy called John Hepburn um, of nurse hound egg laying. And he goes and snorkels to survey the, um, the eggs where they're laid in the gullies. Um, and, you know, who would think? That, that, that there are shark nurseries just in in this in this bay near Plymouth, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I I, I know I've I, I've known this same um, cuckoo ras for many years, and I still do. Right. Yeah, and he's on this particular dive, and often I wear a full face, uh, and I talk to it, you know, and and I think it's kind of. A bit confused or interested into what into what this yeah. noise is uh, yeah. but it's 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 great and it's 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 difficult to say relationship but it is he hears me coming and comes over yeah and yeah i'm sure hangs and, around. And it's fabulous i love it yeah and i wouldn't be surprised and i should think he recognizes you as opposed to other divers very possibly um I don't, I don't know if you're, um, there's some, there's some um, great work being done on fish cognition and fish knowledge and, and they are so much more. I don't know if you, there's another book um, called What a Fish Knows. Um, one of the studies that this guy talks about um, done with fish is of a, um, a tropical goby that, um, that, observers wondered why they noticed that when it leapt out of a pool when it when the tide was out um to avoid a octopus or a heron or or, or a predator it would always land in a pool rather than flap around on the on the coral and then they did an experiment and showed that the goby at high tide swims over the reef 
makes a mental map where all the good pools are and then when the tide's out it knows exactly where to leap and you know it can keep that map for a time and and you know so so the stuff about goldfish three second memory is absolute rubbish yeah oh that's fantastic and why not you know i mean it makes perfect sense it's how animals just not lumps of flesh i mean you know they survive they have behavior yeah it's, it's crazy to think otherwise yeah over the many years that you've been doing this because you're a marine biologist as well i believe yes yes um since you've been diving and and compiling everything for all your books what what's the greatest changes you think you've noticed uh in the sea well unfortunately i've seen i think you know reduction number of fish particularly large fish um more more sedimentation on some of the reefs um more certainly more plastic pollution sadly but there's still a lot there's still an awful lot there and and i think um it's so important to monitor it and and but you know i find my observations are so biased by where i'm diving and what i'm seeing and what i'm interested in that i mean another plug for divers in britain is to get involved in the sea search program um for um amateur divers and, and compile information in a very systematic way and that is a fantastic um database of or, or, or knowledge base getting information together on the sea and looking for these trends and particularly as we decide where to put protected areas and decide on protected areas to show the value of them like around Lundy, you know how amazing the marine life is where we've actually protected only a very small area but and and the other thing you know you get this spillover effect that's what you know you protect an area and then it it it, you get the spillover of those of those animals so it benefits everyone yeah absolutely paul it's it's been uh super talking to you um it's great and as again uh I i love the book i hope it does really well which i'm sure it will um as a matter of interest, do you ever dive without a camera? No, very rarely, actually, <laughs> very rarely. Even snorkeling, even snorkeling, I use a compact camera. But I hope, I, I hope, I do hope, I did hear an underwater photographer once say that if they didn't have a camera, they just wouldn't bother going in the water. And I do hope that I don't get to that stage because I think, you know, just to enjoy it is, is, is wonderful. So... Yeah, I hope that absolutely. if I ever forget my camera, I will still go in. Yeah, I'm sure I will. Um, exactly the same. It's although I can't imagine being underneath without it. I know I've done it a few times, and I've seen some stunning things. But then you have that memory and you have that interaction, and exactly, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Paul, um, thank you again, and thank you. Uh, hope we catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. Cheers, Cheers for now. Bye bye.